0: After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd was following him because they were observing the miraculous signs he was performing on the sick. So Jesus went on up the mountainside and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Jewish feast of the Passover was near. Then Jesus, when he looked up and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where can we buy bread so that these people may eat? Now Jesus said this to test him, for he knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Two hundred silver coins worth of bread would not be enough for them, for each one to get a little. One of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Here is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was a lot of grass in that place. So the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed the bread to those who were seated. He then did the same with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were all satisfied, Jesus said to his disciples, Gather up the broken pieces that are left over, so that nothing is wasted. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with broken pieces from the five barley loaves left over by the people who had eaten. Now when the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus performed, they began to say to one another, This is certainly the prophet who is to come into the world. Then Jesus, because he knew they were going to come and seize him by force to make him king, withdrew again up the mountainside alone.
1: reflect on John chapter 6 of the feeding of the 5,000, there are four questions that I think God is asking us in this passage. The first is, will we follow Jesus for who he is, not simply for what he does? Secondly, will we follow Jesus even when he tests our faith? Third, will we follow Jesus and practice hospitality? And fourth, will we follow Jesus even when he does not behave or act like the king he truly is? So, Father, this morning I pray that as we gather together in this online community that it would not stop us hearing the voice of our shepherd speak to us through this passage that the Holy Spirit would pastor us this morning into the life that you have called us to enjoy as followers of Jesus Christ even when it's challenging that we would arise to the opportunities that you are presenting to us even in such unusual times as these and we pray this together in Jesus name amen well first will we follow Jesus for who he is not simply for what he does John warns us in this passage that the crowds have gathered not because of who Jesus is but because of the signs but throughout John is very clear that faith merely because Jesus is is a miracle worker will be insufficient it's inadequate to sustain us over our lifetimes and that's that's hard for us it's hard for me because it forces me to deal with the integrity of my relationship with christ do i simply follow jesus for what he can do for me it's like Having a friend when you're growing up who has all the cool toys. He's your friend because he has the cool toys, not because you particularly like him. It can be kind of similar with Jesus. We can follow him because of what he can do, because after all, no one has cooler stuff than Jesus. But that's not the foundation for the relationship. In fact, if we follow him simply because of what he can do, This is really a transactional relationship. It means I'll follow you as long as you do what I ask you to do. So if I pray this prayer, if I say the words right, if I do my end of the bargain, you'll do your end of the bargain. This kind of Jesus is always going to disappoint us. Because Jesus will not be a slave to a transactional relationship. This is a relationship that we never initiated. He initiates it. It's strictly because of grace and mercy and until we are convinced that he loves, he loves us because he loves us because he loves us because he loves us and internalizing that as I am loved because he loves me because he loves me because he loves me. I'm not sure we will ever be free. fully follow him. Secondly, will we follow Jesus even when he tests us? There's this kind of incredible dynamic going on where where John narrates that when when, when Philip says, you know, it would take eight months worth of wages and even that would barely feed this crowd. John says Jesus said this to test him. Now, there's no rebuke of Philip in this passage. There's there's nothing where Jesus says, you don't have faith, Philip. Come on, buck up, have faith, believe. Instead, Andrew's kind of watching what's going on. And he says, well, you know, there's this, this kid over here who has five loaves and two fish. And now it's interesting because um, the loaves, the barley loaves, uh, are is bread that only poor people would eat. In fact, it's it's interesting that um, an, an early uh, Jewish philosopher, uh, Philo, says that this was unusual foodstuff and only eaten by the unfortunate. And so this was not even great bread, and the word that we translate fish kind of carries with it the understanding that these are tidbits. These might not uh, this might not even been whole fish. This might simply been a few tidbits of dried fish that, like a child, would carry as a snack when they needed kind of a protein fix. So, so the ingredients for this miracle uh, that Andrew presents is hardly anything that's going to inspire faith. It's it's kind of like leftovers and breadcrumbs. It's 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 not a, it's not a whole lot, and so Jesus is testing their faith. Now tests are hard because one, they occur in the areas that we're vulnerable. Uh, they they tend to occur in our lives in places that we are not prone to agree. Tests come in the in the counterintuitive spaces in our lives. And one of the questions we have to ask us is ask ourselves is can we be tested Or will we walk away from our faith when we are tested? Sometimes I get afraid for myself, let alone others, that that I have what I call green light theology. Uh, Jesus is with me as long as the traffic lights are green. Uh, There used to be a street in Pasadena when Carol and I were in grad school that we would drive down. It was called Washington Boulevard. And the... Lights on Washington Boulevard were timed that as long as you kept the speed limit, you would, and you started off with a green light, every successive light along the Boulevard would be green. And sometimes I wonder, is that what my faith looks like? That it's traffic light faith, it's green light faith. And so when you're driving, you know, I don't know about you, but I get impatient sometimes when I'm driving and there's nothing worse than coming to an intersection and all of a sudden getting the red light that forces you to break hard that that aggravates me and it it doesn't bring out the best in me let's just put it that way and so so can our faith can my faith be tested or do i define faith as god is on my side whenever i have green lights and if something is a red light or a yellow light that can't Possibly be God. That must be the devil. Tests our red lights amidst a string of green lights. They force us to stop. They force us to reconsider. They force us to consider what is our faith and what does my obedience truly look like? Will I follow a God who will test my faith? my understanding, my perceptions. During these times of pandemic and these times of protests, I think we would be foolish to not allow God to test our understandings of who we are and how we see our world. And in the very areas that maybe what you're seeing and what you're hearing creates discomfort. Maybe that is the very area that God is pressing us on, challenging our perceptions. Maybe we've never thought about racial relations in the way that is coming to the front during these times. But it is a time to test us. Because at the end of the day, tests are given to us to clarify our, our willingness to be obedient, but also tests are given to us to refine our understanding of the world in which we live so that we see the world in the way that God created the world to be before sin. Sometimes we become so comfortable with the way things are to where we no longer are asking the questions, why are things the way they are? How did we get to this point? What am I missing here that God intended And created how is Jesus seeing this see a test for me is going to be in any area of my life where I see things differently than the way God sees things are we willing to be tested thirdly are we willing to follow Jesus and practice hospitality now let me just say up front You do not need a home to be hospitable. All you need is a heart. You don't need a mansion-sized place to live. You you, you can practice hospitality in a one-room studio because at the end of the day, it's about your heart space, not your living space. And what gets neglected so often in the study of this passage is that we're so focused on the miracle that we no longer look at this through middle eastern eyes to see that jesus is exemplifying for us what it means to be the master at hospitality because hosts welcome people host pete hosts treat everybody that's in their assembly uh, that's gathered with them equally and a host would never dream of running out of food. Now, that is something that Carol will tell you that I'm obsessed with. The idea of hosting people and running out of food creates high anxiety in me. I'd like to think it's because I'm a follower of Jesus and I wanna be just like him. But sometimes we'll have this conflict over how much I buy when we're going to host someone because the thought of running out it, I just can't even conceive of it. So so it's kind of Jewish generosity meets German, Dutch, Scotch uh, frugality. And that's not always like the best recipe, um, but we both have this desire uh, to host people. And so whether we were living in a one bedroom apartment in Pasadena, or we lived in a home, or when we were living in England, uh, we, we we can't imagine not welcoming people into our home. And one of the things that, for those of you who are getting older, uh, that will contribute to kind of a isolated, judgmental, hostile mindset is that you're too old to be hospitable. Because as you get older, if you choose to isolate your people, isolate your heart space, from welcoming other people into it. Uh, there's nothing that is going to age you quicker. And on the flip side, if, if, if you're married and you have young kids, uh, you might get in the mindset that you know life's too busy for us to host people. I mean, the kids, they're chaotic. You can't count on them to sit still. They might make demands on us. Uh, that's, don't let that become an excuse that causes you to isolate as a family because one of the biggest gifts you can give to your children is the gift of community because honestly as they grow up they may look at you and your faith and go that's not working for me but they may see something in the people that you invite over that calls out to their hearts and their minds and causes them to realize I want to be like that person will we practice hospitality, like Jesus did. Finally, will we follow Jesus, even when he chooses not to behave like the king he truly is? The world is preoccupied with power, who you know, the authority you've been given. But our king chose to come as a servant And in fact, he even raises the standard for us and says, he who would choose or she who would choose to be great in the kingdom of God. That that means there's a king, right? If you have a kingdom, there's a king. So the king is telling us that anyone who would choose to be great in the kingdom of God must become a servant. So this is problematic. This means we follow one who while king chooses not to live as a king, to behave like a king, treat people like kings treat people. That's why he says later in John's Gospel, I no longer choose to call you slaves or servants. I choose to call you friends. Everyone who submits their life to Christ is not a subject of God's kingdom, but a friend. If that's not strong enough, in John's Gospel chapter one, John narrates that whoever received him, God gave them the right, the authority to be adopted as children. So we are friends, we are children, both in the first century uh, Middle Eastern world uh, are are amazing amazing descriptions of relationship to be an adopted child to be a friend uh, this is more than acquaintance in in the first century world of a friend is someone you die for a friend is someone you go bankrupt for a friend is someone that you drop everything to attend to their needs for kings don't do that but jesus does sometimes i fear that the church is more preoccupied with power because we think that's the only way to advance god's kingdom goodness in the culture we inhabit but whenever the church has embraced the power structures of her day whether that be a whether that be royalty or democracy, she has always joined herself to an understanding of power which is usually antithetical to the understanding of power and love that Jesus clearly expresses in the Bible. So yes, it's possible we could win a culture battle, but we, could use, but we could lose the missional war. There's no way around it. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to repudiate the world's understanding of power and its use of power. And instead, we have to exchange that understanding for what Jesus clearly teaches, what he clearly exemplifies and what his life and relationships clearly express. Anything else is a distraction at least and a distortion at worst. And both will decay our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it will decay our opportunities, it will disintegrate our opportunities to express his love and kindness to the world around us and in, in paul's letter to titus he says that when the goodness and kindness of our god appeared dear ones we are living in challenging times there's no doubt about it but this is offering us such fresh opportunity to recalibrate and realign our lives around the clear teaching of jesus christ and the in fact the entire scriptures but what jesus clearly exemplifies and expresses we have an opportunity a -a once-in-a-century opportunity to realign reimagine what that might look like we can reinvent ourselves we have an opportunity for Christians to rebrand the church into God's incarnate expression of the goodness and kindness of our God Will you follow Jesus for who he is, not simply for what he does? Will you follow Jesus even when he tests you in the most vulnerable places of your mind and your heart? Will you follow Jesus and practice hospitality? Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it's the same call for both of us. And finally, will you follow Jesus even when he chooses not to behave like the king he truly is. God bless you. Go in peace. And let's pray together. Father, thanks for this time this morning. Shepherd our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, faith community. Our hearts and our prayers continue to abide with you. You are our community. We love you dearly. God bless you.